Are you recording? The views expressed in the Daily Second are based solely on questionable research or might just be totally made up due to laziness and by no means should be taken to heart nor assumed accurate. None of the hosts, guests, reprobates, or anyone else connected with the show in any way whatsoever can be responsible for your actions because you're an adult and responsible for how you act. The Daily Second host assumes no responsibility because the content of this program is poorly compiled by two individuals who no one should be listening to. Viewer discretion is strongly advised. This episode of the Daily Second show is brought to you by the Pew Pew Jew. And why? Because we don't really have any real sponsors yet. Welcome to the Daily Second Podcast, episode 004. My name is Nate, and with me is my helpmate, my cohort, my better-looking, better half, the Yoda himself, Yehuda Rimmer, also known as the Pew Pew Jew, a.k.a. our current sponsor. Tonight, we will talk with our guest, Charlie Cook. Crazy news coming out of Washington, and why your next-door neighbor might kill you. Our guest tonight is Charlie Cook, owner-operator influencer of Riding Shotgun with Charlie and Gun Grams. Charlie, we're going to ask you your background, what you do, and do you like to walk on the beach? Let's get into the questions. So, what's going on, Charlie? Thank what you for is... uh, joining us, Reprobates, here at the Daily Second. I don't think we'd want to spend our Sunday with anyone else but you. Oh, you're a sweetheart. I don't care what they say about you. I, I, I mean, most of it's anti-Semitic, so I understand. <laughs> um, no, Charlie, so... I know you do two cool things. Um, I actually have been recipients of both. You have your totally awesome gun grams, and you also have riding shotgun with Charlie. So let's start with uh, gun grams. Tell us what it is, how you got started with it, and how people can pay for them to make you money. All right, that I like. So the gun grams are me playing the trumpet and shooting a gun at the same time. I've been a band teacher and an instrumental music teacher and a musician and a gigging musician for a very long time. And about five, uh, five or six years ago, I was talking with one of my friends and he said, you know, it'd be really funny. Every, every time you talk about playing and, and gigging and being a musician, he says, you, you always kind of light up because those, those were, you know, that was a lot of fun. I used to play four nights a week in, in a Motown disco funk band and, um, you know, back in my youth, I opened up for uh, Ray Charles and Earth, Wind and & Fire, and we played with Meatloaf. So it, it was a lot of fun, you know, being a young single guy. It was, it was really cool. So talking about uh, playing music and gigging was, was always, always really cool. And, and I've been a gun instructor for, uh, for quite a while. So he says, you know, it'd be really cool is if you played the Blue Danube Waltz and you played bum, 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 I said, man, that would be completely ridiculous. So I went home and I worked on my one hand reloaded, uh, reloading, and I got that down pretty smoothly. And I figured out when I could shoot and how many rounds I could shoot and what I would have to do mag changes. So I went out and I filmed myself playing the Blue Danube and shooting. And it, uh, it was pretty cool. It was pretty fun. I, that was probably 2014 that I put that up. Then in 2015, I was dating this woman and it was her son's birthday. And when kids are, you know, nine, 10 years old, they like playing, they like singing happy birthday and, and saying cha-cha-cha at the end of every line. And I completely hate that as a, as a parent and as a musician. And I hate it on many levels. 
So I thought it would be hysterical if I went out and I played Happy Birthday with, uh, with one hand on the trumpet and I shot my AR on the cha-cha-chas. And I put it on my YouTube channel and I put it on my Facebook page. I had a lot of people ask me if I could do one of these for their birthday. And uh, doing that Happy Birthday expanded into TV show themes and movie themes and Indiana Jones and and the Adams family and, and just a bunch of other stuff. So I started doing those in 2015 and it's, uh, it's been really cool. I started charging a little bit of money for those to cover the cost of ammo. And then I had some friends that said I should start charging more. And they're like, you should charge at least a hundred bucks. I'm like, I can't get people to pay what I'm asking. <laughs> so, uh, so I upped it to like 65 bucks and people all over the world have asked for these things. So where, where, where are some of the craziest, I'm guessing if there's people from all over the world, I'm guessing that you've had some theme, uh, I guess, uh, uh, anthems from some random places. I, I, somebody asked me if, uh, to do the French national anthem, and I thought I would use a water gun for that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. Uh, I had a guy from Australia ask me if I would do Dr. Dre's next episode. And, uh, and I'm, and, and I'm like, man, how can I do something cool with that? So when I made that video, I got a, you know, those little just dealing with it sunglasses that they have. Yeah. I'm like the, um, uh, God, what are those videos called? The, um, the thug life. Yes. The thug life videos. That's it. So I got a pair of those <laughs> and I wore those. I got video of me from the, with my daughter's selfie stick. I put it outside the car and I drove bobbing my head up and down and, um, then I went and made the video. Um, when I was editing the video, I put um, like, I don't know, gin and juice at the beginning of this. And I put to the range, but T-H-A, to that range. <laughs> and, and then I um, started making the video and I held the Glock, you know, up, uh, right side up. And then when I started to shoot, I turned the gun sideways. You got it. <laughs> it was the first time I ever fired a gun shooting sideways, which was kind of weird. And then I got video from the other side, listening to, um, I don't know, ain't nothing but a G thing or something. And um, put on the way home from the range. So that, that was pretty cool. And I, I told my kids that I wanted to do this on the Jimmy Kimmel show with Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. And they thought I was ridiculous. And I'm like, oh, maybe not. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so I know I've been a recipient of one. You, you actually did um, Oh Hanukkah one year for me as a surprise, yes. which was totally awesome. Um, I have to ask, have you ever done the Canadian theme or are Canadians just not that important? <laughs> I had a guy, uh, man, early on, I had a guy from Canada ask me if I would do um, the theme song for the, for the Hartford Whalers, I think is what it was. Um, yeah. You mean Hockey Night in Canada? No, no, no. Like, like oh, this no. guy was from Canada, but he was, he was a hockey guy and he lived in Connecticut. So oh, okay. the, some tune from the 60s that the Hartford Whalers used to play. And it, it, it sounded really cool, but he never paid for it, so I never did it. Yeah, screw him. Cheap I know, right? <laughs> I did have someone. This was really cool. So I, I teach at a bunch of uh, private schools. And a couple Christmases ago, uh, I answered an email uh, after I, I teach at one school in the morning and another school in the afternoon, I got an email from someone and they said, Hey, we're doing a secret Santa. Could you do, we wish you a Merry Christmas and say, you know, Merry Christmas to so-and-so. 
I said, yeah, that's easy, absolutely. So they paid for it. I went out on my lunch break, I made the video. I went back to the library, I edited the video and I sent it out to them before I headed to the next school. <laughs> so easy way to make, you know, 65 bucks at lunch. Yeah, it's better than under a bridge. This is okay. true. So I know besides gungrams, um, you have you do something that I think is totally awesome. I have been a guest of yours on your own podcast. Um, your podcast is called Riding Shotgun with Charlie. And I'm not gonna say that, you know, your trip to Dallas couldn't have been done without me and the fact that you <laughs> literally carjacked my car. Um, but tell everybody about riding shotgun with Charlie and why you carjacked my car. All right. Well, first of all, I, I carjacked your car because you were nice enough to let me use it. So there you go. You're a giving person, despite what Nate says about you. <laughs> um, so riding shotgun with Charlie, I, I started watching the carpool karaoke's like everyone else, and I'm like, man, you know that that chubby James Gordon. He's a he's a chubby dude that speaks uh, from England, and I said, I'm 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 a chubby dude and I speak English, so I I can do what he does. He's just hanging out with people. It's easy. It should be a no brainer. Um, I realized that my kids kind of open up a little bit more to me when we're in the car and we don't have to look at each other. And actually, I was uh, out with my daughter a couple of days ago. And we were just driving in the middle of nowhere, going from whatever, looking for toilet paper. And um, she just opened up with, you know, opened up with something that I would have, wouldn't have known anything about. She's like, so this happened and it was kind of weird and kind of strange. And I'm like, all right, this is kind of cool. She's, she's comfortable talking in the car and we don't have to look at each other and that's fine. So I parlayed that into what can I do? How can I talk to people in the gun community? and turn this into something kind of cool. So I started it here in Massachusetts. I interviewed my mentor, who's, uh, who's an author and, and he does firewalking and stuff. And I've interviewed a couple gun instructors. I interviewed some of the musicians I used to gig with. And um, I interviewed uh, Ken Blanchard, the black man with a gun down in DC. I interviewed Anthony Calandro from Gun For Hire. Mm -hmm. and, and I ended up Contacting this gentleman, his name's Lee Michaels. Lee is a, a radio guy in Minneapolis, and his uh, he was robbed at gunpoint. And his story is in Mark Walters and Rob Pincus's book called Lessons from Unarmed America. So I was friends with Lee's wife back in the 90s, back in our youth, and I'd been in touch with her through Facebook. And I said, hey, you know, uh, I see your husband's a gun guy. I saw, I read in the book that... Uh, that he was robbed. I'd like to come out and hang out with you guys for a weekend and, and interview him. And I'm doing this new thing. I'm calling it writing shotgun with Charlie. So I talked with Lee about this and Lee said, Hey, if you come out on this particular weekend, Mark Walters will be here. And then, and I'm like, dude, that Mark Walters is armed America. That's big time. That'll be cool. So I went out to Minneapolis. I interviewed Mark Walters and Lee. I interviewed um, Peter Johnson from Archway Defense. Yep. And Two days after the interview, uh, the day after the interview, Mark called me up and he's like, man, that was really cool. Let's see if we can help you do something with that. So I'm like, that's great. I don't, I don't know what you mean, but okay. And two days after that, he says, uh, do you want to come speak at the gun rights policy conference? And I'm like, oh my God, absolutely. I'd love to. And um, the only people I knew when I went there was Mark Walters and this gentleman from Minneapolis. His name was Brent. And Brent's a big fan of, uh, I don't know if you know Brent Amston. Yeah, I know him very well. 
Yeah. So Brent with Brent and Mark were the only two guys that I knew. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's Cheryl Todd. Oh my God, that's John Lott. Oh my God, that's Masada you. <laughs> and, um, it's, it's been great for me since then. I became good friends with Amanda Suffolk. She's pretty awesome. Um, it's, it's been awesome since then. And that's, that's, I remember standing in my kitchen uh, on the phone with Mark Walters and he's like, dude, welcome to the big leagues. You've just passed the minors. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but that's really cool. <laughs> I mean, I know I have the, the, a very similar story. I mean, you know my story, but we're not going to get into it, but I know how you feel. Mark is a great guy. Brent's a great guy. Um, that whole crew, uh, you know, uh, the gun rights policy conference, they're all fantastic people. Um, yeah, they, they really they, are. They, yeah. They take you under your wing, their wing very quickly and really guide you and, and help get you out there. Um, which leads me to this question. Traveling, having guests, paying for gas, paying um, for all of the, uh, how many GoPros do you have now? Like 47 million on the cars? Right. I only have uh, three inside the car and I'm one on the hood. The one on the hood. Okay. So how much does a, a typical interview cost? Oh my God. Um, when I go to the gun rights policy conference, I try to get as many as I can. Uh, this year, this past year in Phoenix, I got, I had nine interviews lined up. And I had Chris Dover from CloverTac. Um, he, I was on his show last January and he came out and literally just waved in front of the car. And I'm like, man, we got about 20 minutes until things start. So I pulled up, I'm like, get in the car, dummy, let's go. And so, so I took him for a quick, you know, 10 minute ride and, and, uh, and it was pretty, pretty cool. Um, so I got, I got 10 shows out of that, 10 shows, nine and a half shows out of that, which was cool. Uh, I went to the shot show for, uh, I was there for a day and a half and I got three interviews there. So that was, uh, that was really good. It, it all depends. I've, um, I went down to DC in June of 2018. I interviewed a gentleman in, in Jersey on the way down and on the way back, I interviewed a guy in Virginia. So I try to, I mean, I haven't really figured out how much it costs to go to stuff. I went to in Dallas when I went and interviewed you, I knocked out five interviews there. Um, the year before, the year after that, I got uh, five or six interviews when I was in Chicago. So I try to get as many as I can at, like, if, if there's going to be one spot where there's going to be a bunch of people, I try to set up three or four interviews and, and, and try to get as many as I can. Um, I went out to MC a concealed carry fashion show in Cleveland with um, Rob and Amanda from Eye on the Target Radio. And I did an interview with them. And then I went up to Detroit and I interviewed uh, Marcus uh, Weldon. Yeah. So, you know, I try to get, try to get what I can. I've, I haven't really figured out how much it costs to, to make a trip and rent a car and, and all that sort of stuff. So the long answer of the short version of the question is <laughs> it takes money and time and a lot of energy and effort. Yes. A lot of it, a lot of it. Uh, and that obviously doesn't count, you know, the, the time to edit and equipment and the editing software and, and, and that whole process. So it's a priceless priceless system that he has so if you're listening it, it, and you want to jump in there financially he's got opportunities potentially uh, i do i do i um i hate to admit this to people but i'm i'm afraid of rejection so i i self-fund everything and um it's it's costly and i actually uh i was 
the, the blogger of the year at uh, gun rights policy conference this year. So I came back from that and I was talking with some of my friends and I'm like, I need to parlay this into something cool. So I keep saying that I want to uh, take the stagecoach across America. So what I decided to do was to try to do a summer tour. And um, I just bought a, um, a bigger car than is the one that I have. And the idea is to put to advertising on it and take the show on the road. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, well, well, we'll definitely help you try to find, um, I know, I know, uh, Charlie, you and I have been running in the same circle for quite a while now, but maybe Nate and I can uh, discuss if maybe we can find you some um, sponsorship. Nate, maybe you can think of somebody that might want to help him out, because that's one of the things we actually try to do on this show is maybe have people on the show who aren't as big and well known and try to help them out. Uh, so. so what we're saying is you're tiny, but we'll bring you into our fold and try to help you grow, big man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's there's there's got to be a better way to say that, right? <laughs> well, there's one one potential sponsor that you should look at, and that is it's, uh, Casper Casper mattresses. Is that what it is? <laughs> no, it's Bump Stock Soup Mix. Stirring the pot never tasted so good. Oh my. <laughs> so you might want to look into them. Yeah. You know, All right. Just, I, I will. Okay. I do know. I do, you, I do want to ask you one question because I know yeah. this was a huge highlight for you. Um, talk about getting on stage with Corolla. Oh my God. Yes. So Adam Corolla, <laughs> the king of podcasts, the, the pod father. So the reason I, I, I was telling my kids about the, um, bump, Bum, 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 uh, the Dr. Dre thing there. Uh, next episode, I told my kids that I wanted to get on Jimmy Kimmel. I wanted to do the gun gram with Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre just so I could meet Jimmy Kimmel. And they're like, that's a long way to go. And I'm like, I know, but that's what I want. <laughs> so I'm a big fan of the Ace Man. I've been listening to his podcast. I've read all of his books. I, I think he's, you know, I used to watch The Man Show. I've watched his, the two movies he's put out. He was coming to Boston. And he was doing this thing called Adam Carolla is unprepared, which is one of his things is just to be spontaneous. He's, he had a segment called uh, what can't Adam complain about. And he was doing this thing. Um, uh, Adam Carolla is unprepared. And what he did was he would, everywhere he goes, he brings a ping pong ball hopper and he has people write a word on a ping pong ball and he needs someone to pull the ping pong balls and, and read what's on the ping pong ball. And he's supposed to complain about it or he's supposed to whatever, come up with some shtick. So I sent them a video of me doing man eater as a gun gram, because I know he absolutely hates that town. And I said, Hey, this might be the only way that you would listen to man eater. And uh, I was heading to school and I got, you know, in between schools on a Friday afternoon, I got an email from his producer and they're like, Hey, um, Adam wants to talk to you about pulling balls at the, uh, at the show at the Wilbur theater in Boston. I'm like, okay, very cool. So I, gave them a call. He gave me the number to call. I, I gave him a call. I got to talk to Corolla on his podcast and it was between me and a pregnant woman and the pregnant <laughs> woman, <laughs> right? We're the same shape is really what he's trying to say. <laughs> her beard and, was better. Oh, she was, uh, she was going to bring her husband and his best friend so they could have too much to drink and she'd drive them home. And so he says, listen, this guy, this guy plays the trumpet and shoots a gun at the same time. You know, he's a great American. How can you say no to this? And uh, he says, we'll, we'll pick the both of you to go up. So I got a date. I 
went to the Wilbur Theater. They asked, um, they asked me to bring my trumpet. So I learned his, I did a gungram of the, the two songs he does for his intro and outro music, which are tunes by the Mighty Mighty Bostones. I did gungrams of those and I put a picture of um, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, no, of, uh, from the Man Show. And it's, I put, um, I put my face over Jimmy Kimmel's face and I'm like, Charlie and Charlie and Adam Carolla together at last, or, you know, some, some nonsense like this. And, uh, he does a half hour of stand up, and then he's kicked into the, the improv ping pong ball thing. Yes. The ping pong ball thing. So he's like, right. my story. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, it was uh, a magical was moment, wasn't it? It was, it was so good. <laughs> And it was it was really cool. They they played the man eater gungram on the big screen at the Wilbur Theater as Adam Carolla standing in front of it, and I'm going down, and everyone's going crazy and crap, clapping and applauding, and and it was it was very cool, very cool. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. And I can tell that it's left an effect on you because you're still like Blowing. in that moment right I now. Um, I know. <laughs> the only thing I can compare it to is when I met Lou Fregno at Shot Show last year. Wow. Not this one yeah. prior, but the year before, I was like. That's the Frank. That's the Hulk. Yeah. So I was like, he's a, and then he's like, he's, he's a like, dude he's a big dude. He? Yeah. 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 He's a big dude. And unfortunately my camera guy, cause we were doing media stuff at the time, didn't have the camera running and he was trying to take pictures, but I never got the pictures. So we're standing there and I'm waiting for Lou to do his thing. And his, his handler's like, okay, come on over now. Cause there's nobody else around. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's my turn yet. I just want to stand here. I'm so close. And then they're like, come on over. So I walked over and he's like well who are you and i'm like and i told him my spiel and my background and he's like he looks at me and i handed him one of my patches and i'm like patch and he's like oh that's really cool man and i'm not going to do his voice because that's just not fair but he's like right. oh that's cool he turns spins me sideways and i'm six foot and i'm two like i'm what i was 300 pounds at the time and he spun me and we faced the camera together and he does this big spiel to, to save my soul i have no idea what he said <laughs> I have no idea because I was just like, huh. And he looked at the camera like it was on, did this amazing spiel. And he's like, Nate here, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. And then he spun me back, shook my hand and walked away. And I was like, I turned to the camera guy. Did you get that? And he's like, no, man. He was, he was like, no. like, I shook Lou Fregno's hand. So I know exactly what you mean by meeting Adam Carolla because that's cool. You know, you get in that moment with these people that you just like, <sighs> Oh, totally. I, I yeah. had another, I had another one too. Um, and it's, you guys would never know who this guy is, but it was Fred Wesley. And Fred Wesley was the trombone player for James Brown. He was oh, part cool. of the JB horns. He, he wrote all of the, uh, he wrote all the cool, all the cool James Brown stuff from the seventies. And he was playing at the house of blues just outside of Boston. And I went with a friend of mine, I, I may have had too much to drink. I can't remember, <laughs> but I went up to Fred Wesley and I'm like, man, I love the way you play. You're a big influence on my playing. I try to transcribe your stuff. And he turned and looked at me and it was like Eddie Murphy doing James Brown on Saturday night live. I'm like, what did he just say? Like he could have given me the meaning of life and I totally would have missed it. Right. You're just like, yeah, huh? Okay. Then cool. <sighs> that was great. Yeah. Did anyone record that? Because I have no idea what just happened. <laughs> I just, huh. Yeah, I, I hear you. It's like the first time I met uh, Yehuda there. It was just like, huh. It's the same a cute thing. little Yoda. Yeah. Do you, so, do you, do you oh, remember, here he goes. Do you remember the first time we met? 
You and I? No, no, no. Me, me, me and Nate. So we're, we're by the circle. This is, the, I mean, I, Nate, I don't know story. if you remember this part, but it was you, TJ. Yeah. JP. Yeah. And... And a guy with a regular name who doesn't go by initials. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and, and I forgot, there was one more person there. And then all of a sudden, I'm standing there and Ryan Weaver walks over. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, uh, Charlie, you know who Ryan Weaver is? I don't. So don't he's tell a, him, though. He's and a, that's the end of the show, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! Thank you very much for joining Look us. Look at the time. <laughs> so he's, he's actually a country music star. Uh, oh, cool. Uh, he's awesome. Uh, just a good guy. Um, he's someone you, Nate, he's someone that we should uh, get hooked up with, uh, Charlie to go and write, uh, do an interview in his car. Already, already thinking brother. All right. Your story. I'm, I'm taking um, notes. Yeah. Charlie, I'll tell you all about Ryan after, but anyways, Ryan comes over with like beers for everybody. And I literally have just met these guys and all of a sudden I'm like, what, you don't bring a Jew a beer? <laughs> and Ryan, Ryan kind of looked, I'm like, dude, I'm just kidding. And like, that was me telling, like, this group of, like... <laughs> random like, strangers. Random strangers who are all, like... Like, like <laughs> Nate here was, like, Canadian Special Forces. This guy, JP, was... Were you Special Forces or something like that? I was... Special I Ed was is nothing. what he was in. I, I was Special Ed. Thank you. <laughs> I was the Special like, Window Licker. But, like, JP, right? <laughs> JP was, was a Ranger? No, yeah, he was a Ranger. Wasn't he Special Forces, too? He had a GI Joe. Is that's what you're thinking? <laughs> it doesn't matter. The, the the moral of the story is these these all these in, uh, these these dudes. Ah, these so these army all dudes these cool guys shit. come in. And right. they, yeah. didn't br- they didn't bring you. They didn't bring you a Mogan David. I hear you. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. And all of a sudden, it's like this was my intro to them. Like, hey guys, yeah, feel free to make fun of Jews. It's all it's all good. Like, <laughs> and then it was it was game on after that. We're like, all right, dude. All right, bunch of oh, military guys hanging out at a bar. You want to come play with us? We'll play. Yeah, we'll play. Right. And you know what? <laughs> The next day, what was JP doing to me? It was, this guy, JP, this, he's this little Puerto Rican dude. He literally had me by the collar telling everybody, like, oh, you got to meet my Jew. This is my Jew, my Jew. I'm like, oh, my God. But, hey, it was, he was introducing me to some pretty awesome people. So That's too cool, man. Yeah, and then me standing behind him because they're both so tall, <laughs> looking like some sort of hired muscle just standing there right <laughs> yeah so no it was it was it's cool when you get to meet people like that that you look up to like i could drop names all day but the floor can't hold it um but it is cool when you get to those moments and for me i actually had somebody the other day come up to me and fall into that spot where i was talking to them and you could just see their eyes go <laughs> and i'm like are you okay you having a stroke you low on sugar and they're like no, man, I've seen your videos. I'm like, really? Seriously? I'm like, but I didn't want to downplay their ex- excitement and enthusiasm. So I was just like, right. so I played along. I was like, yeah, man, this is awesome. You're a great person. It's not about me. It's about you. There and you I walked, walked away and I was like, what did they say? You know, but anyways, <laughs> I digress. So now we're supposed to be moving into a segment called Going Ballistic, where we take turns talking about politics and the gun industry news. So I'll, I'll start with this question um, because I think it not, I mean, obviously it affects all of us, but especially Charlie, you know, with all the social distancing happening right now, 
How is that, is that having any effect on the riding shotgun with Charlie? Yeah, uh, that is a great question. I have, uh, I think, four shows that I can dig up that I've already recorded. You know, when I've, like, I have one from DC from, uh, from last summer. I have one more from, um, from Vegas, from the SHOT Show. And I think I might have one or two more that I can t try to dig up. There's one person I interviewed. I'm not going to name her name. But I interviewed her in Phoenix, and she's like, after we're done, she's like, can I do this over? I'm like, oh, okay, but not now. <laughs> <laughs> that is off the table. <laughs> right. And then she was up in New Hampshire at SIG, uh, SIG Academy, and uh, I'm like, okay, you're only in New Hampshire. Like, can we do this? And she's like, we're leaving tonight. I'm like, ah. Oh. And then we were all set to do this at the NRA, and uh, I said, hey, let's, let's do it. I'm going to go. I'm going to be there. She's like, great. We'll do the show in Nashville. And then, uh, you know, all this stuff happens and NRA got canceled. So uh, somebody said I should do the, the shows virtually. And I'm like, oh, how am I going to do that? Yeah, it doesn't have to I sleep. have it already planned in my head because I'm going to do a parody it. of yours. But I'm not going <laughs> to give it to you on air because then somebody else will do it. So uh, when I do my parody, which will be, I think, entertaining because I am the most entertaining person to myself that I know. There you go. But we can, we can talk about this because I've already been planning your oh, you virtual can do side I, nice. I do that i'm an idiot savant i'm idiot and somebody told me that so <laughs> there you know but no i i think i think you got something there and having one thing I, I heard there was having things that never aired is sometimes a good thing one because maybe it shouldn't air and when you're in a pinch it's good to throw it out there just to get some content going right and i've when i whenever i've talked to this woman i'm like listen um you know with all this stuff going on i'm gonna have to put the show out like I have no other choice. I've still got to put shows out, you know? Um, I've, I've thought about getting local people, obviously, but I think it's a little less exciting. Uh, it's a little, I don't want to say it's less exciting for me, but um, it's certainly cooler to go somewhere else and be like, hey man, we're going to pick up a complete stranger, or not a complete stranger, but uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not quite like that. But you know, picking someone up, driving them around, going someplace where I've never been before, it's, it's fun. <laughs> Yeah. And on that note, we're going to transition into, uh, oh, we're, it's going to be the police departments and the coronavirus uh, responses. Mm. Now, here locally, they've actually started giving tickets to people that are driving to the parks and things like that. Because here, we're in a state of emergency. Everybody's supposed to stay home. Don't go anywhere. And Is it know, still winter up there? Oh, it's always winter up here. It's always winter. <laughs> Like we, we got snow three days ago um, and we got two feet and now it's down to five inches that's left. And there's other places. It's just, it's redonkulous. That is. Anyways, now that my, my winter depression has hit again, because I thought about snow, the police departments are now enforcing this state of emergency that no, you're not supposed to be out. You're not supposed to be doing things. So we're towing your vehicle. Here's a ticket. You know, you're at a park. Well, I'm, I'm playing on the swings. We don't care. You're not supposed to be out here. Your vehicle's being towed. What's it like in your area? People are still out. I, I, I hear, I live on a main road. People are out all, all day long. I hear cars at night when I'm, you know, in the middle of the night when I wake up and um, I, I hear cars driving. I hear cars all day long. I, the grocery store is still packed. I was at the gas station the other day. Um, there are six different um, gas pumps. Uh, I'm going to say five of them were taken. 
um, they've, they've shut down the businesses. Uh, they've shut down restaurants. So you can't go in and eat. You can't sit down and eat, but you can do takeout. Yes. Uh, they've closed. We don't have um, any place. That's a bar. That's not a restaurant in my town. Uh, so those are all closed. The liquor stores are still open. Um, it's, I, I don't want to say things haven't changed. It's weird. Like when you go to some place, they now have, um, spots on the tape on the floor where that's six feet apart and they're like we're yes. practicing social distancing you have to stay six feet apart and it feels completely ridiculous but i don't really see that people have slowed down they've slowed down a little bit but they haven't slowed down a lot it's a, it's like this remember back in school at the school dances you know 12 inches apart you know can't be <laughs> dancing and stuff i think that we're all rebelling against this subconsciously because of that conditioning that we had as kids was like screw that 12 inches i'm gonna i'm gonna hug up on this girl you know or right whatever but i think that's part of what it is because the other side of the coin is i did not realize how many people are essential (laughs) yeah i did i did Uh, not realize you know i think everybody should get a t-shirt that says my mom says i'm essential too wait a second you can buy one of those at the pewpewjew.com no way, man. Wait. If I had a coffee mug and a t-shirt that said that, I would be set. I heard you can even get it on a yarmulke. That is amazing. That's not the a Pew Pew Juice sounds like a good place to go shopping. That's all I'm saying. You're, you're sponsored for episode four. So pew, pew, pew. the other side of the, uh, the coin, though, is that the police departments are so overwhelmed that they're not enforcing... And this is public knowledge in a lot of states, they're not enforcing misdemeanors. So theft um, is now rising in value. So you can basically go shopping and not pay for it if it's under $500 in some states because that's mm-hmm. just a misdemeanor. Mm-hmm. I, um, I bought a, uh, a, my buddies call it a midlife crisis car, but I bought a, a 2014 Dodge Charger to do my summer tour because it's, no, 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 hear me out. It's big enough that I can put advertising on it. That's that's what I'm thinking. That's what right? she said. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and um, my my insurance my insurance guy's the best. He said to me, he says, "Listen, you've got seven days to transfer your plates from when they catch you." <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely true. Absolutely true. Yeah. Right. So uh, I've I've been out. Um, I've taken both my kids out in the car. I've had it for less than a week. I've taken both my kids out. Uh, we've got on the highway, we've done up to 90, maybe 100 miles an hour. I'm like, the cops aren't out. They're, they're not going to catch us. It's not kilometers. It's it's miles per hour. I know. That's why I did the face. It's like, what? wow, that's like 1.6 in the conversion. So that's like all the Canadian kilometer speed limit. It's There we go. Yeah. Um, I, I'm still out. My, I'm really hung up on this whole thing. I, I've been hung up on this since... Uh, last summer when I went to get a motorcycle license and the state wanted, now I already have a driver's license. The state wanted a birth certificate that had the notary stamp on it. And I'm like, how are they going to know? Are they going to call up my town and check who did the notary? Right. Yeah. So if I had a letter that said I'm an essential employee, right. Or if I had a letter from my, uh, my, my boss, it, it, I taught two gun classes this weekend. Um, I'm an essential employee in my business. I, I teach classes that are less than five or six people. So who cares? Who cares? And what makes the letter official? That is what I want to know. 
Exactly. Now, for me in the military, when there was special stuff about me, uh, I I could bluff my way in anything because it was like, okay, how far are you going to back check this? I'm gonna I'm gonna step up to your line, and I'm gonna declare that yeah, I'm this is this is my paperwork, this is my document. I'm important. I'm supposed to be here. Are you sure you're supposed to be here? You know, and I've had some people in authority go, oh, maybe I'm not supposed to be here, and I'm like. <laughs> Well, if you don't think yeah. you're supposed to be here, then I'm telling you, you're not supposed to be here. And they're like, but, but my mom said I'm essential. No, no, not at this <laughs> level, buds. Not at this level. Uh, and, and you're right. It, it's, it's funny because um, one of my jobs or that I volunteer at, I kind of am essential because I'm like the second from the top or some shit. And people come in all the time. They're like, no, 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 I'm allowed to do this. Uh, or we have to use this. When I work at the range, I volunteer at a range. And to have your holster on you at this range, you have to have your holster qualification. Okay. So I see these guys walk around and they have their Ipsic shirts on or whatever. And they look the part and they're walking around. And I'm like, yo, bro, what, what you doing? Oh, I'm just doing some shooting. And they look down at me because I really don't look the part. I just wear whatever and go to work. And they got their fancy belts on, their big magnets and shit, and they like stick to each other when they walk too close and stuff. And I'm like, "Yo, uh, you got a holster qualification card there?" And then they pull out their their like RSO card. I'm like, "Range safety officer, good for you. Do you have your holster qualification course?" And they're like, "Uh," and I'm like, "I just need to see the card, bro." And they're like, "Oh, I've got the patch." I'm like, "The one you can order off Wish?" And they're like, mm. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, card buddy with your name, stamp, date. Yeah. You know, those things that are a little bit harder for you to replicate yourself at home with your $3 printer. <laughs> uh, it's in the car. I'll go get it. Yeah. You're not coming yeah. back. Are you? No, no, no. It's in the car. You're not coming back. <laughs> no, no. It's in the car. Why are you taking your range bag with you? Uh, yep. yeah. Anyways, I love doing stuff like that. Especially those Ipsic guys. So, now the Ips the Ipsic holsters don't have anything to them, right? Uh, it's just it it's just like it's like a little peg that you put in the barrel and it clicks into place. Yeah, some of the cool guys have those ones, and I laugh and giggle. And then other guys have like full on serpas and level threes and whatever they can get their hands on. And that's when you know you're like, first you're like you look at the holster, you're mm -hmm. like, hmm, that smells new. <laughs> unworn in and two your draw time is like five seconds so are you qualified to do that because here in canada you have to have a course to use a holster on a range and most ranges to dry draw a live uh, pistol from it draw a rifle from a pistol holster well that'd be cool actually i might do that so <laughs> with that qualification is the highest thing because in the states you guys have concealed carry which is amazing right here in Canada, we have holster qualification. That is all, you know? So when people are like, oh, yeah, I've got my holster qualification, I'm like, hmm. So anyways, testing people, and like I said, in the, my career in the military, I made a very good bluff of doing that. And there used to be rooms that I'd walk into, and there'd be armed guards at the door, and I'd just look at them. Hey, guys, how you doing? Good? Right on. See you at the end of your shift and just walk right past them. <laughs> that's awesome and then my rsm at the time uh so i got into a secure location and then they're like oh you actually kind of know what you're doing we're gonna keep you here so i'm like okay cool so i walk out and i go back into the main room 
and my RSM there, tiny little fella, he's all like, what are you doing in there? And I'm like, I can't tell you. And he's like, well, I want to know. Let's go in there. And I'm like, all right, let's go. We start walking. I get to the door. They're like, sup? And I go. He gets two steps behind me. What are you doing, sir? Identification. <laughs> I turn around. I'm like, finger guns. <laughs> so anyway. Should I say he's with me or not? Oh, absolutely not. I'd be like, I don't know him. Check his cavities. He's got something. He looks shifty. Yeah. He's, he's a shady character. He needs yeah. a cavity check. Exactly. Twice. Yeah, you know. so, uh, just to, not to cut the party short, but I know, Charlie, you have a, a thing to get to in about 10 minutes. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I mean, obviously, I, I'm sure I know your thoughts on it, but HR 5717. Oh my God. My stomach so, hurts just thinking about it. So I know, I know that's, uh, that, that's your, your girl. And Ooh. Hank Johnson, Hank Johnson is not my girl. Well, no, that the updated Hank Johnson was the, didn't he submit that to Congress? Uh, probably this is, right. this is, this is all I need to know and remind people about Hank Johnson. If you can't remember, so Hank, I, yeah, you but go ahead, man. Charlie, you you you. Uh, <laughs> Hank Johnson is Hank Johnson. I'm gonna say it was when Bush was president. It's been quite a while. Hank Johnson yeah. said, if we put all of the military members on one island, on one end of the island of Guam, the island will capsize. <laughs> Have you guys seen this? <laughs> okay, for those listening to the podcast right now. I knew this was coming, but to see <laughs> Nate's face, um, it's very hard to catch Nate off guard. Ugh. I don't think I've ever seen <laughs> that face before. Um, this is wow. accurate information, Nate. He did. I believe if, it. If he said, if you do deploy all of the military onto Guam, it will capsize the island. And man, the guy was ridiculed. But now. Here's the crazy part. He's been in Congress since then. Like yeah. that's not enough to get you voted out. Oh man. Here, here's the thing. So, so Charlie, uh, the original one is called HR fifty-seven seventeen, which was introduced by uh, whatever his name is again um, into Congress. But Elizabeth Warren submitted it into the Senate. It's S thirty-two fifty-four. So, um, it's, I mean, you guys have seen it. It's all of the anti-gun rhetoric rolled into one big kahuna burger. Yeah. Everything. It's, it's, it's assault weapons, magazine capacities, um, restrictions. It's background, universal background checks. It's, it's, uh, it's registration. It's, it's everything that is bad about gun control rolled into one, one big thing that they want to pass. And you know, what's crazy. I had a guy, um, real quick. I had a guy who's a non-gun guy about a month ago, asked me if I would take him shooting. And I'm like, of course I'll take you shooting. He's like, but I'm a liberal and I think we need more gun control. I'm like, that's, that's fine. I want to take you shooting because you want to go shooting. I want you to have a gun. I want you to be able to protect yourself and all this sort of stuff. After all this, this has been going on the last couple of weeks. I check in with him. I'm like, Hey man, how are you doing? I, he had a cold just before all this started. So he's like, you know, I went and got myself a bat and I have a, a knife that I carry with me. And I'm like, those are all really cool and stuff. 
but you've got to be close, like bad breath distance in order to use those. And you don't want to get that close. And we had, we had an opportunity or we had a, uh, not a date, but we had a, whatever, I had a plan to, to go shooting and he ended up bailing on me the day before. And I'm like, that's, I get it. He's, I don't know, got a, whatever his situation is, he didn't want to do it. But um, he's one of the guys that's, that says to me, well, all this stuff is never going to pass. Yeah, mm, yeah, but the people on your side are for it and they propose it and they write it into bills and you say it's not, not going to pass, but you kind of want to have a gun. <sighs> yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's like everybody wants to have sex. If you want to wait till you're married to have sex, go right ahead. If you want to have sex early, as long as it's consensual, right on. But everybody eventually wants to have sex. So even liberals right now want to own guns. So think about it. Are you blocking just for everybody? Or are you making it so that during an apocalypse, we still have people running around going, let's see your holster qualification, bro. <laughs> Seriously. All right. Well, Charlie. Um, tell people where they can find you, where they can sponsor you, where they can send you money so you can do your stuff. Or see you naked in the shower, whatever works. Oh, yep. Either one's fine. Uh, they can find all of the, um, all the writing shotgun stuff. I've got a, at writing shotgun with Charlie.com. They can check out the videos on the YouTube channel. Uh, it's youtube.com slash C slash writing shotgun Charlie. They can listen to it in podcast form on Apple podcasts, Spotify, and on iHeartRadio. Um, I do have a Patreon set up. Um, Holy, stop. There's somebody in your house. Yeah, don't no, no, that was this. They pay no attention to the girl behind the man. That specter, that ghost fly by. <laughs> that was uh, affectionately known as the girl. The, the girl. girl. Okay, yes, continue the girl. on then. Um, so, yeah, so writing Shotgun with Charlie is where you can find all my stuff. Uh, I got videos on, on YouTube, on Gunstreamer. I put the audio out as a podcast. I do have a Patreon page set up, but I'm not. Uh, it seems to me like it seems to me like there's a lot of stuff that goes on the Patreon page and different levels and offer someone a sticker. Yeah, offer someone a sticker and then a, a patch and then a shirt and and then you know uh, whatever comes after that. I have no idea. So, but yeah, writing shotgun with Charlie is where they can find anything. It'll it'll come up. I'm I'm the only one that's out there going by writing shotgun with Charlie. For now, I mean, <laughs> that actually be a good good uh, porn channel right there. Writing show. I got to tell you, I've told everyone this. When I heard about Moms Demand Action, I thought it was a channel on YouPorn. I had no idea. <laughs> well, in episode three, it, that may have it. been a commercial. Oh, <laughs> I can't do it again. I was going to save that for the other show. That was a good one. Everybody's got to go back to that. It's going to be a clip in our micro content. Anyways. There we go. So now I'm going through these news things that we have here. And I think we're at a part for Yehuda to do his thing. So thank you, Charlie. Uh, but that's the end of this episode. We want to thank everyone for staying with us, Reprobates. We appreciate you more than Mom's Demand Action appreciates Michael Bloomberg money. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and shooters of all ages and calibers. Welcome next time as we talk to some other random people that we find on this show that Yehuda knows somehow, some way. This has been your daily dose of the Daily Second where everything is made up and most things are fictional, but the guns, they belong to you. The Daily Second is a We Defy production.